rejoice that he's done the work for us. I'll sing through. 
Thank you. You may be seated for just a moment. Good to see all of you here today. It was good to see. I can't see you. Raise your hand so I can see that you're out there. All right. Three of you are there. All right. Good morning, everyone. Now I know you're there. Good to see you again this morning. We're so glad that you're here to worship with us. Uh, If you're visiting with us today, we're especially grateful that you're here. If you wouldn't mind, there's a communication card in the seat back in front of you. If you would fill that out and just drop it off in one of the wooden boxes on your way out today, that would be great. We'd love to get to know you a little bit better. Just a couple of quick announcements before we continue in worship. Uh, First of all, our uh, envelope fundraiser has gone very, very well, and we are so grateful, and thank you very much for your help. Uh, This morning, there was a few envelopes on the table. I'm not sure if there's still any back there or not, but if there are, if you wouldn't mind helping us out with that, you can grab one of those envelopes. If you missed out and did not get an envelope, you can still uh, help us out. That money is helping offset some of our camp costs and other uh, costs that we have with our children and youth activities. Youth June the 7th. Uh, That's coming up pretty quick. Uh, Registration is now open for that. Um, So you can go online and there's a link you can click uh, for that. Uh, You can look in the newsletter. There's a link there. You can also go to our Facebook page and there is a link there. So several different ways you can click. If you sign up over the next couple weeks, it is much cheaper than if you wait two weeks down the road. Uh, Again, that's coming up pretty quick. Same thing with our Momentum Camp that's coming up uh, June 28th. Uh, So keep that in mind if you fit one of those areas or have kids in one of those areas. Please go and check it out. We're going to have a great time at camps uh, this summer. Also, next Sunday, we're going to have another baptism. And I know there's been several that we've been visiting with about baptism. And if you're ready to take that step, you can uh, also mark that on that communication card. Uh, that you're ready to be baptized, and we'd be glad to get some information about that to you. Again, we're glad you're here to worship. You know, as I was driving in this morning, uh, the beautiful day and just seeing God's creation, it was just a reminder of how joyful it is to be a part of God's family and the great joy that we have of coming together and worshiping together and and just loving on one another. So I hope that you're excited about being here today. Hope that you're looking forward to what God is going to do in this place. Let's stand together, and I'm going to pray as we continue our worship today. Father, I thank you for this time of fellowship. I thank you for this time, uh, again, just loving on one another and uh, just the joy that we have when we're in the presence of one another, but more than that, the joy that comes of being in your presence. So God, I pray right now that as we continue through this time of worship, God, that we would be able to put everything else aside and right now we would just be able to focus on you. And God, we would know your presence that's in this place as you fill our hearts and you fill our lives today. And God, I pray that this worship would prepare those hearts for uh, your word that's going to be spoken in just a few minutes. God, I pray that we would be ready to receive from you today all that you have for us. God, we thank you for your love for us. And God, we thank you for this time that we can be together. In Christ's name I pray, amen.
This is my confidence You never fail 
Amen. Good morning, Living Water. We're glad you're here. Are you glad to be here? Good deal. Well, listen, I want to I let you know that every year about this time, there's always this wrestling match that preachers have. I mean, at least I do regularly. And that is, what do you do after Easter? I mean, how do you follow that? That's like the Super Bowl Sunday for church. Easter Sunday, he lives, he is risen, he's risen indeed. How do you follow that? And as I was wrestling with that and praying about it, I, I started kind of gravitating towards Acts chapter 1. Naturally, we want to know what happens next, and, you know, Jesus ascends into heaven. And so I want to ask you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, and, and while you're turning there, go ahead and turn to 1 Peter 3 as well, because I'll get to that one here in a few moments. But I want to share with you a message that God put on my heart this week, pretty heavily. Um, and just, I love how confirmation works. I had the chance to uh, go to a Walk to Emmaus event last night. And uh, there's a judge in the area, a regional judge that, I guess he's a regional judge. He's, he's from the region. Uh, but anyway, he was sharing some words. And, and what he was sharing was exactly what was in my heart today. And I just smiled. And I said, that's just the way God Work. So I'm excited to share with you what I want to today. The title of the message, and don't get scared. Here we go. Be my witnesses. You're like, oh, no. I knew that today was the day we should have skipped church. But I, hopefully this is an encouragement for you today. As that's my heart behind it is just to encourage you with the, the scriptures today. And it's not as scary as we make it out to be. It doesn't have to be uh, that scary. So naturally, let's think about where we're at. Jesus hangs out with the disciples. They witness many of the things that Jesus did, right? He walks on the water. He feeds the 5,000. He heals the blind, the deaf, the lame. I mean, he just does some really cool, off-the-wall stuff. And his disciples witness all of it, right? And his disciples walk with him. And then they didn't understand that he was going to have to go to the cross, although he told them often. And so they were thinking he's going to come and establish his kingdom, kick Rome out, right? And he's like, just establish the kingdom. Jesus dies on the cross, was buried, and was raised again on the third day. They didn't see that coming. But then they saw Jesus in his resurrected state. A lot of people saw him. In Acts chapter 1, it says um, that he was over 40 days after his resurrection, he was seen. Um, and 1 Corinthians 15 says by as many as 500 of the brothers at the same time. And so when you're thinking about this idea of a witness, they were his disciples. And before the crucifixion of Jesus, it says that all of his disciples deserted him that night. They just abandoned Jesus. And then you fast forward 40 days, uh, the, the, the day of Pentecost comes, or 40 plus days, and all these same guys that were chicken earlier are now boldly professing the gospel. They're boldly proclaiming that Jesus is alive. And you have to ask the question, what happened? What was the change? Well, number one, they saw Jesus, right? They ate with Jesus. Uh, Thomas got to touch Jesus and, and see the risen Lord. They heard from him. They witnessed Jesus being alive. And there was just something about that that said, you can't shut me up, man. I'm just going to tell everybody what I have seen and what I have heard. And Acts chapter 1 also talks about the, the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And, and he tells them, let's just go ahead and read it. Chapter 1, verse 1. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. And after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit, during the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
So, verse 6, when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him the same question. Before his death, they're like, are you going to restore your kingdom? It says, after his resurrection, they come back around to it. And they said, Jesus, are you at this time, have you come to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Jesus responded, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. No man knows the day or the hour. Amen? The Father alone has the authority, and they are not for you to know. But what you can know is verse 8. He says to them, but you will receive power. Say power. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, or throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so Jesus makes this beautiful promise. The Holy Spirit's going to empower you. And with that power, you're going to be my witnesses, uh, my witnesses, witnesses to Christ, witnesses to the gospel, the death and the burial and the resurrection. And boy, did they. You just read the Acts of the Apostle and all the many things that they did, and you see a boldness that they did not have before the resurrection of Christ. In fact, their boldness was so strong. They were so committed to their faith that all but John, the one whom Jesus loved, and Judas who committed suicide, all of the rest of the apostles died a martyr's death. Standing on that, that gospel, like this is what I believe and I'm willing to die because I'm not going to recant. I'm not going to take back my story. You can't keep me quiet. I know what I know. I know what I saw. Amen? And so these guys were powerful witnesses and so so that's their story let's fast forward 2,000 plus years here we are we're still celebrating the the resurrection of Jesus right we did last week Easter are you still happy about that you don't look like you're very happy about that just looking at your faces but uh, we're, we're we should be overjoyed to know that our Savior lives and because he lives we are man we, we're able to live this thing called life right so we celebrated Easter last week and then I just, I could take a poll, but let me just say this. This is what I know, that as followers of Jesus Christ, how many of you would agree that we all believe that we are also supposed to be witnesses for Jesus? Raise your hand. I mean, we just understand that. We've heard it our whole life, right? You're supposed to be a witness. But doesn't that kind of freak you out a little bit? I know the first time when I got saved, you know, I'm, I gave my life to Christ, and I'm thankful because I'm saved from my sins. I'm going to heaven when I die. That's all cool. And then somebody says, okay, now, Shane, you need to tell people about Jesus. Whoa. Whoa, Nelly. I can't. Yeah, you can't. No, I can't. Well, I don't know what to say. I, I don't know enough about Jesus to tell people about Jesus. What if they ask me a tough question? What if they ask me something that I myself am struggling with? And so there's this idea that being a witness is just this huge task or huge goal that we, we get so intimidated by that we don't even want to take the first step sometimes. And I know I'm not alone because I've talked to many people over the year and they say, Shane, I just don't know how to share my faith. I don't know how to be a witness to others. Well, I hope to maybe bring a little encouragement today if it's true that we are called to be witnesses for the gospel. And if it's, if it's true that we are saved by the grace of God, just like uh, the, the apostles believed that Jesus was who he was and did what he said he did, then we are also in that same group. And if we're called to be witnesses for Christ, how can we get past the fears and the doubts of our abilities to be obedient to his call on our life to be a witness? Now, before you say, well, Shane, I kind of 
choose to leave that to the preachers. You guys are doing a good job, and I'll, you just got my support. I'm going to pray for you, right? I'm going to, hey, go Shane, you go, or whatever, but I, I can't. Well, the reality is, is we are all called to do it, but how do we do it? So let me, let me give you a, um, an illustration. I want to come at this from like an earthly perspective for a moment. So think about like a job description. If you take a new job, you know, one of the things that's helpful when you go into a place of business is, what's the job description? What does it look like? What's expected of me? I mean, how do I know if I'm doing the job unless I know what the rules are in the first place? How do I know if I'm, I get in trouble if I stepped over a line somewhere? It helps to have some sort of a job description. And I, I really feel like we can look at it from that perspective and consider, you know, what is our role as a witness for Christ? And so I said, I'll give you an earthly example. Uh, the gentleman that was uh, teaching yesterday was a judge. And I thought, how cool is that? Because that's what I'm using as my illustration. How many of you have ever been into a court of law? Hopefully not on the wrong side of the law, by the way. But So in a court of law, we're familiar with terms like eyewitness. What is an eyewitness? An eyewitness is someone that stands, they walk forward, they put their hand on the Bible. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you God, I do. And then they begin to tell the jury, the judge, and everybody assembled there what they saw, what they heard. They're eyewitnesses. Now, hopefully, there's more than one eyewitness. Why? Because the defense is going to cross-examine. They're going to poke holes in the story. And you hope that there's a common thread through all of their stories and their testimony that gives you an idea of what is the truth. And so eyewitnesses are very powerful in a court of law because we're not all there. and We're not always the eyewitness. And we rely on their testimony to help us to arrive to some sort of a truth. Are you following me so far? In addition to an eyewitness, we have an expert witness. Expert witnesses are called in in some crimes uh, where they're, they're saying, okay, we need an entomologist or we need a forensics expert, blood spatter patterns and all that stuff. And, and there's guys that are just experts in their field. They have a professional knowledge that nobody else in the room does, right? They're experts. And so we rely on expert testimony to come in and say, according to my professional experience, this is X, Y, and Z. And so based on that testimony, they're either acquitted or they're condemned in the court of law. And then there's a, a third witness that we've probably heard of from time. And I've actually um, ha- had the opportunity, not that it was a fun thing, but to be in that chair. And that's a character witness. I remember the first time I was called uh, to come forward as a character witness in a court of law. And I just remember, just don't pee your pants. Don't say something stupid. Just, I mean, this is intimidating, right? Put your hand on the Bible. Do you swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth? So help you, God. And I'm like, I'm a preacher. I got this. Yes, I'll be truthful. But a character witness is one who provides facts and assessments that address the defendant's character. It's usually a family member, friend, someone who knows the defendant. In a criminal case, their character witness is used to establish the defendant's history of behavior. Judge, this is just a crime of passion. Judge, this is not like him. Uh, This is not the person that I know, right? So the character witness is also extremely important in the court of law. Why do I share all of that? Because I think there's some encouragement if you consider our role as witnesses to Christ. Can I just tell you this morning? Let me take some weight off of your shoulders. You and I are not eyewitnesses to the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. There. I wasn't there. Were you there? So you, you talk to people about Christ, and you know, he lives. Like, how do you know? You weren't there. No, I wasn't. But there's some, some guys, like eyewitnesses, that wrote a book. I mean, they got letters. You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and their testimony of the resurrection of Jesus is so compelling to me. And I believe by faith that what they have shared 
to me is truth, and I believe in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But I'm not an eyewitness. I don't have to be. I'm not an expert witness. I don't need to know. I mean, hopefully we learn and we grow in knowledge and we get to be able to just quote Scripture and remember how things tie together. I'm not that guy. We are blessed in our country today to have a few theologians that are just really gifted in that area. But I'm not an expert witness. And when it comes to the claims of Christ, you know, I don't have to be an expert witness there also. Now, I'm not minimizing our role to study the Word of God Right? This is a workman that needs not be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. We need to know the word of God. But when it comes to being a witness, I don't have to have the expert testimony. Why? Because then here's a man named Paul that did that for me too. See, the apostle Paul, he was known as Saul before Paul. He was on the road to Damascus, and he was on his way to persecute the church, to arrest Christians and take them back and persecute them. And he had an encounter with the risen Lord. Now, he wasn't there to witness the death and the burial and the resurrection. He was not an eyewitness there. But he was a, a Jew. He was a Pharisee in the strictest sect of the Jewish people. He knew his Bible, the old Jewish material, frontwards and backwards, right? And when he had his encounter with Christ, something supernatural happened. His life was flip-flop, turned upside down, and he was radically changed. And Paul was able to take some of the Old Testament prophecies all of these allusions to Christ and the, the foreshadowing, if you will, of Christ. And he's able to say, this is what was meant when the prophet said. And he's just like tying together everything and connecting the dots for us as an expert witness of the claims of who Jesus is. Are you grateful for the Pauline epistles in your Bible? Because I mean, you got, you got the Gospels, that's the eyewitness account. You have the, the Pauline epistles where Paul beautifully lays out for us the doctrines of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. He puts it there in front of us, and I trust his expert witness. And then when it comes to being a character witness, the first one that comes to my mind is the story in John chapter 9. You remember the guy that was born blind? So the man's born blind, he's brought to Jesus, and he doesn't see Jesus because he's blind. But he comes to Jesus, and Jesus spits in the ground, makes this mud-packed, salve thing, and puts it on his eyes, and he says, now go wash. And the man goes and washes, and now he can see for the first time in his life. And that miracle caused a little confusion in the community because they said, is this the guy that was just in the, the temple begging for money because he's blind? I mean, and he says, I I'm the guy. I I'm the one. I was blind, and I'm, 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 I can see now. And so they go start asking him, and they just start drilling him, like, tell us what happened. He's like, I was blind, and now I see. I mean, I don't know how to make it any more simple than that. I was blind, born that way, by the way, and now I can see. I mean, Jesus did something for me. I didn't see it, but I, I, the effects of it I can see now. And his life was changing. And they're so frustrated because they're still like, well, we got to get to the bottom of this. And they go to his parents. And is it true that your son was born blind? And how is it that he can see now? And like a good parent that's freaking out because they know that if they, if, they, um, if they say that Jesus is the Messiah, they're getting kicked out of the temple. And they don't want that. So they say, he's a grown man. Ask him. So they go back to him again. And by this time, I think he's starting to toy with them a little bit. I think he's got a little bit of Shane Neese attitude in him. A little sarcasm. He says again, I was blind and now I see. And then he says, do you also want to be his disciples? Oh, it just made them mad, right? And they kicked him out of the temple. 
I bring that up because his story is sweet to me because it can't be refuted. He had a need, he had a problem, and he met the risen Savior, not the risen Savior at this moment, but he met Jesus. Jesus healed him, and he had an impact in his life, and he says, look, he changed me. I'm not an eyewitness, I'm not an expert witness, but I can just tell you what Jesus did for me. And that's the point that I think everyone in the room needs to get today. When it comes to being a witness for Christ, we need to take some of the pressure off and say, you know what, yeah, there are going to be questions asked of us, and we always say, I can't. I don't know enough. Let me tell you what you do know about. You know about you. I know about me, and in fact, nobody knows me better than I know me on this earth, right? I'm an expert on me, and I got good news for you. You're also an expert on you, and no one can tell your story like you can tell your story. No one can tell my story like I can tell my story. That makes me an expert witness on me, right? And so when it comes to being a witness for Christ, 1 Peter chapter 3, I wanted to share with you. First of all, I'll say this. Um, why do we do it? Number one, we're called to be witnesses. Can we say amen if you agree with that? All right, we all understand that it's up to us to take our place in a long line of witnesses since Jesus' resurrection is like, okay, we're also to go out and make disciples, Matthew 28. We're also witnesses to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's one reason that we should is because we're, we're called to do it. It's expected of us. But secondly, and I think is more personal to us, is we also want others to experience the same peace, joy, and love that we experience that comes with a relationship with Christ. Amen? I mean, if you've been changed by the gospel, and you know what it looks like to have that joy and that peace and that love that comes from the gospel, there's just something in us that says, I want my loved ones to know that same peace. I want my coworker to know that same joy or that person that's going through just everything negative in their life right now. I want them to know the love of God like I know the love of God. That's why we should. We want others to experience the same Jesus that we experienced. There's something about sharing our testimony with other people, sharing our faith that becomes an encouragement to one another. Paul puts it this way in Romans 1. He says, when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. You know, if you've ever heard someone's story, you're like, wow, what an encouraging story to see how God has worked in your life. There's a mutual encouragement that comes from us all telling our story. So how do we do that? How do we do it? So, so let me first off say, if you don't hear anything else I say this morning, hear this. This is extremely important for us. If we're going to be a witness for Christ, witnessing must go beyond words because our actions are an important vehicle in demonstrating our faith. Did you hear that? Our actions are just as important as our words. Why is that? Because I've met people that have the words and they can speak Christianese all day long, but if their actions don't line up with their words, we have a term for that in our world today. It's called what? Hypocrite. And it can do more damage to the cause of Christ than just Humbly admitting, hey, you know what, we're all, we're all messed up, but let me just tell you about the grace of God and how he saved me and I changed my life, right? So hear this, if, if you don't hear anything else, is that it's important for us to know that as a witness of Christ that our, our actions matter. Not just our words, but our words and our actions. James put this, puts it this way, faith without works is, help me out, church, 
It's dead. It's, it's useless faith. It's not going to do anybody any good. So our actions are extremely important. So people look at us, and a lot of times we don't have to open our mouth, but they watch us, and they see our life, and, and, and our actions speak volumes. And, and this would be a, a, a good place to say this. We don't always hit it right. We are going to drop the ball from time to time. Anybody else make mistakes in life? And so if the world's looking at us as a witness and we're not demonstrating that in our actions, how I many know there, there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff at stake there? So I think the way to circumvent that or the way to, to, to kind of approach that is just be honest. Just humble yourself and say, hey, listen, I don't have my life figured out. I make more mistakes probably than you do. But let me just tell you about what God has done in my life. Do you make sense? Does that make sense? So I would say this, we're going to make mistakes, God's grace is there when we fail, and that's so cool, but be honest in your estimation of who you are, none of us are perfect, in fact, we're all crackpots, that's Shane's translation of the verse that says that we've been given this beautiful treasure in earthen vessels, crackpots, we all got holes in us, right? And so we just recognize that and say, look, God, if you can use me as a crackpot, you know, a holy vessel... Then, then, man, here I am, but just have a good estimation of yourself, humble yourself, be honest about that when you make those mistakes, own those mistakes, but the world's watching and listening. And so let me share with you a few things quickly. I say the first thing to do is to pray for boldness. Now, in Acts chapter 1, we read it a moment ago, and it says, but when the Holy Spirit comes, he will, he will give you power, right? The power of the Holy Spirit will be in you, and he will enable you to be bold witnesses for Christ. And so we, we know <clears throat> that the Holy Spirit of God lives in us. When we place our faith in Jesus, the Bible says that your body is the Holy Spirit of God. And that's a beautiful image, a beautiful assurance it should be to each one of us. And here's what Romans 8.11 says. It says, the, the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. Ooh. Think about it. The Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. And Ephesians 1, 19 and 20 talk about that power, that we would get to know that power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. So, so those two verses together, here's where we get this. The same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and me, if you're a believer in Christ Jesus. That ought to put a smile on your face. Hint, hint. I mean, that ought to encourage each one of us, right? So we should say, God, I, look, you know... You know who's going to come into contact with you tomorrow. You know whose paths are going to cross tomorrow. You know that coworker that may come to me tomorrow. And I just ask that you would help me be bold in my witness for you. To be bold in my witness. I, rec I recognize that the Bible says we're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come, right? And, and we're not to conform any longer to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So as we read Scripture, as God grows us, we realize that that testimony there is a powerful testimony to a world that doesn't know Jesus. So Lord, give me boldness to live my life in a way that honors you and that you can use as a witness. Pray for boldness. Acts chapter 4. Um, and in fact, there's a pericope heading there where it says the believers pray for boldness. So the first believers are telling the story. Jesus is alive and they're, they're catching some flack for it. And it says they gather together and they begin to pray. And at the end of that, that, that the chapter, I believe it is, it says that the, the place shook when they were praying. And it says, and they were all filled with the Spirit and they boldly declared the Word of God. We should also pray for boldness god would you just help me get over my fear of being a witness would you give me a boldness to not be ashamed of the gospel of jesus christ but to be able to tell my story because i may be the only person 
that the people that are around me will ever meet. They may not ever meet a preacher, right? And so, Lord, if you can use me, give me boldness to be a witness for you. I would also say this. Draw near to God yourself. Get to know him. It's hard to to introduce someone to another person if you don't know that person yourself, right? So we need to get to know him. Draw near to him, and he will draw near to you. 1 Peter 3, 15 puts it this way. Uh, Let me read back up verse 13. It says, Now, who will want to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. Set apart Jesus as Lord. And so I say draw near to God in, in relationship and fellowship. Or you say, I just want to know my Savior. I, I want to know him so much that when I tell people, I don't even have to tell them a lot because they just see it in my life that I've been with Jesus and that has great impact on the people that I'm around. It is so important for us to get to know Jesus. We get to know him through his word, through prayer, through the disciplines, right? Draw near to him. Get to know him on a personal level. It's, as I said, it's hard to... Share and be a witness for Christ if you are not acquainted with him yourself. So get to know him. Draw near to God. Another one is this. It's it's a Boy Scout motto. Growing up in the Scouts, uh, those of you in Scouts know this. What is it? Be prepared. Be prepared. I mean, you never know when the opportunity is going to be in front of you. You're sitting down for coffee. Someone that you grew up with sees you like, hey, where you been, man? Tell me what's going on in your life. Bam, divine opportunity. Be prepared. Always be prepared. And in fact, it says it this way. Um, and if someone asks you about your hope, or if someone asks about your hope as a believer, if someone asks you to give a reason for your hope, our hope in Christ, listen to what he says. Always be ready to explain it. Be prepared. Lord, I want to be prepared to tell my story. And here's the thing. You don't have to do a lot of homework because you know you. You know your story, right? Man. Just let me be prepared. And for me, preparedness is not knowing my story because I know it well, but my preparedness is to be open to what God might be doing and putting in my place, right? You know, we go through life with blinders on. We're just busy taking care of business, and there's a lot of these divine opportunities that God brings into our path. Me being prepared is like, God, help me to be aware spiritually today of who you're going to put in my path, and let me be an extension of your love and your mercy and your grace. Let me be an encouragement to them today. And I hope that my life is a witness to them of a changed life, radically changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Always be ready. Are you with me so far? Are you getting bored yet? And I hope not because I'm up here. I'm about to drop over from sleep deprivation. I'm just telling you right now. But I'm passionate about what I am sharing with you today. And this is another important one. Look at what it says. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you for the, for, about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Be prepared, but do this in a gentle, respectful way. Here's my, my point. Don't be arrogant, rude, or pushy. Some of us are in such a hurry to make a convert or to tell somebody about Christ and to get them to, to make the decision to follow Christ that we can actually be kind of pushy or rude and we're really good at spitting truth. And I'm not, I'm not minimizing that. We need to know the truth, but take the time to get to know and to get to care, to be gentle and respectful to the people that you were a witness in front of. How many of you have ever seen someone who probably had the right intentions but was very, very um, repulsive, if you will? They pushed people away. They did more damage than they did good. Right? Watch this. I've heard them too. I've seen them as a kid. 
scared the snot out of me. You're going to hell! Those guys. You know those guys? I'm like, whoo! The reality is, is without a relationship with Christ, I mean, that's true, but I'm telling you, I don't sit down and have coffee with that dude. He done scared me. I thought of a funny joke, but my, I, my filter kicked in so that my ADD doesn't make me say something dumb that I'll regret later. Scared the heaven into me. There you go. That's what I said. Don't be arrogant. Don't be rude. Don't be pushy. But just in gentleness and respect, let your light shine before men. They may see your good works and hear your words, right? And glorify God. I would say this next. Um, when I surrendered to ministry years ago, I came out here as a cable guy. Some of you guys may know that story, but I was a cable guy. I went into ministry. And I remember when I walked the aisle and said, God, if you want me to go build houses in Mexico, I don't care whatever it is, I'm yours. You just put me to work. And I became a worship leader and did that for the next six or eight years. And uh, I remember when I made a phone call home, there was a gentleman that we went to church with uh, back at Grace Baptist Church in Grand Oklahoma. And I was excited, and he was a good, godly man. And he was an art teacher in Mangum, and he also was a Sunday school teacher for several years there in Mangum where I grew up. His name was Senate Matthews. In fact, if you drive to Paladura Canyon today, on the left side of the road, there's an old brick building with a mural on it. Have you seen it? A man's face, Senate Matthews Art Studio. When I moved out here, I was like, whoa, I know that guy. But I love Senate. He's gone on to be with the Lord now, but I called him and said, Senate, I just want you to know that we've, we've uh, surrendered to ministry, man. We're ready to do whatever God wants us to do. He sent me a book there's a little promise book. You know, God's promises, verses that you can read when you're going through things in life. And in that book, in the inside cover, he wrote these three words that I'll never in my whole life forget. And I've shared this with many people over the years. Protect your testimony. Protect your testimony. Why? Because you, you, some people, you only got one shot. And if you blow that testimony, they're done with you, right? So it's important for us as followers of Christ, knowing that we're imperfect, we're going to make mistakes, but to do what we can to protect our testimony, to don't just unnecessarily put ourselves in positions that's going to cause our witness to be uh, marred or ineffective to those around us. I'd say protect your testimony. And for some, it's like, you know what, I can't go there because I represent Christ. I won't do that because I represent, you know what, I'm going to wait till marriage because I represent Christ and I want to protect my testimony. Are you following me? So important, protect your testimony. Colossians 4, 5, and 6 says, Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the, the right response for everyone. I like that word, attractive. Make your conversation, let it be gracious and attractive. You know, when something's attractive, it just draws people's attention. They're like, man, that, that looks good to me. And our life can be the same way. And people look at our testimony and they're like, man, there's just something different about that lady or that coworker or that guy, that teacher, that student. There's something different about them. It's just attractive to me. I want to I find out what's going on in their life. And they ask the question, hey, tell me what's going on in your life. You know, I'm going through a lot of difficult things in my life and, and I don't know how to turn it around. What, what's your secret? Hey, I, I, I'm addicted to drugs, or I have this horrible addiction, and I need somebody to help me. I've tried everything I can, and I've heard that maybe you also struggle with that in the past. What's your story? Do you, do you see where I'm going this, the, the character witness? Let me just tell you what God did in my life. Let me just praise God a minute and tell you what he did. And here's the cool thing. They can't say, liar. I mean, they could, but nobody knows your story like you know your story, right? All I can tell you is this. I was lost, and now I'm found. 
I was blind, and now I can see. That's a powerful testimony. And that's what he's calling us to do, is we are his witnesses as well. So think about it this way. You say, man, I don't know enough, so do you know what he did in your life? Start there. And as you grow in your faith, I mean, God's going to show you things, and you're going to share those things. That's awesome. But start somewhere. Like, I, I just know what you did in my life. And if you want me to talk to somebody, you bring that somebody into my path and give me the obedience to take that first step and the boldness to say, you know what, I don't know if I've ever told you my story or not. But let me share it with you. And, and let me just give you a little hint. It's what my life was like before Christ, the, the circumstances that brought me to Christ, and what my life has been like after Christ. Use that as an outline. Put it together and share it with somebody, right? But tell your story, what Christ did in you. You don't have to be an expert witness. You don't have to be an eyewitness, but you're a character witness to the change that God has brought in your life. And here's something else that you and I need to remember. I think it's important, too, is to trust God in the results. And here's why. It's clear that God's Word says that some plant a seed, some water a seed, and some harvest the seed. And so we don't know what season of life someone may be in. And God may want you just to plant the seed. And that's obedience. God may want you to water a seed that's already been planted. I mean, if the seed was planted years in my life and someone came along and just watered that seed and watered that seed until the day of harvest when another gentleman made that harvest, right? And we don't know what season someone's in. So don't get discouraged when you don't see results all the time. But just trust God and just be an obedient witness to him and say, you know what? I want to live my life in such a way that people look at me and they'll know, there's no doubt that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and what he's done in my life. And that may be the equivalent of planting a seed to someone. That may be the equivalent of watering. And then in some cases, you get to harvest that seed. Let me tell you about harvesting the seed. Last week, we baptized our, our second gentleman boss my friend and and uh the week before that family the Richie family <clears throat> and so Sunday or actually Saturday night before Easter we get together as a staff and we just pray let's spend some time praying before Easter Sunday to make sure our heart's in the right spot asking God to be glorified in all this and so we just start praying and one of the prayers in that group that night was this God we know that some people plant the seeds some water the seed and some harvest Lord, tomorrow would you let us see a harvest? And I love that. It's that prayer of faith. So we came to church on Easter Sunday morning, preached a sermon like I, I normally would, and dismissed, gave the opportunity, and, and, you know, nothing big happens. And then I'm, I'm gathering my stuff, I'm walking out the back door, and I look at my phone, and I've missed a text message. I'm like, oh, hey, I got a text from a young man in our youth group, 17 years of age, says, uh, hey, Shane, I need to talk to you today. It's very important. It's about something that you talked about today. Of course, I'm tearing up by this point. I'm thinking, oh, what's this? I mean, I mean, it's a miracle when a youth calls you with that kind of question, right? I'm just telling you guys. And, and, I, and I just thought, man, yeah, dude, you want to call? And boom, phone call. And he's like, listen, I need to get baptized. I want to be saved. I want my sins forgiven. And I was like, dude, when do you want to talk? Let's get together. And so we met and walked through the scriptures. You know, it's not based on emotion, right? If you base something on emotion, you'll never feel saved, but on the declared word of God, walking through the scripture and saying, this is just what God's word declares. It's the truth. And if you believe this, what does it say? It says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. How about it, man? You want to pray that prayer? And he says, yeah, I'll do it. And he prayed and whoo, we celebrate. We'll baptize him next Sunday. 
I say that to say this, you don't never know what season of life someone's in, and God wants to use you as a witness to either plant a seed, to water a seed, or even harvest the seed. And here's the inspiration from this all. Think about it for a moment. One day when we get to heaven, it, it, and this is, I understand this, there's some people here that may say, Shane, I don't, I don't know my story. I don't have a story. I, I, I don't know Christ yet. Let me just tell you, it, it's, a, it's, it's a beautiful thing waiting to happen. He offers you this gift. And he says, if you'll trust in me, if you'll believe in me, Turn from your, your sins, trust in me for salvation. You can be saved too, and you'll have your own story, right? But you share your story, and one day we're in heaven, and you're approached by an individual, young girl, young boy, old man, old woman, and they come to you and they say, hey, I just want you to know I'm here because of you. You're like, what'd I do? Well, I watched your life. I was watching your marriage. You see, I was going through a season in my life where my marriage was broken, and I was looking for hope. I was looking for some answers on how I could turn mine around. And I, I saw yours, and I just started studying you. And there's just something different about you. And that caused me to go to church. That caused me to pick up a Bible for the first time, right? That caused me to make that phone call and make a connection with someone else. And that was a seed that was planted that got me here today. Thank you. Right, how would you feel if you had that conversation in heaven? You know what? I was watching you, and someone had told me about the gospel. You know, and I've heard about the gospel, but, you know, I was kind of this crisis in my life, and I watched you, and, 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 and you came up to me, and you were so gentle to me. You were so loving and sharing God's grace, and you just loved on me in a season. I just want you to know that, man, that was water in a seed that God had planted years ago in my life. Thank you for that. I'm here today because of you. And maybe, occasionally, some of us will be able to say, you know what? I remember getting to harvest that seed. They come up to you and say, I'm here because of you. I remember what a precious day that was. Church, listen, I want you to be encouraged to know this. Listen, God loves us. And he, there's a lot of people that still aren't in the family that he loves also. And we should be compelled to say, you know what, God, I don't know what this looks like exactly, but I, I know that I'm called to be a witness, and I want to be effective at that. So, Lord, would you please give me boldness? Would you help me to be prepared and look for those opportunities? Would you help me just to know my story and to tell it in a way that might be useful for your kingdom? Let me be an effective witness for your glory. And my hope would be that every one of us will see our role there. Here, let me tell you why it's needed. I think it was a Barner Research poll that came out maybe a couple, three weeks ago, that said that less than 50% of Americans in the United States identify as Christian. It might appear as though we're losing ground. But let me just tell you, there's no greater message in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I still believe it's the hope of the world. We've got the most important message that we can share. And listen, we are to share Jesus with people, and sometimes, if we have to, if it's necessary, we use our words. They're watching us. He's called us to be a witness. And so my challenge to you this morning would be this. As you think about this, ask the question, God, who is it that you want me to be an instrument to, uh, in your hands to show them your love, to be uh, either plant a seed, to water a seed, or even harvest that seed? Who is it? And I, I believe if you ask that question, God will, because he, he says he's willing that none should perish. I, I believe he'll show you someone. And the next thing is, all right, God, let me be prepared. Take the pressure off. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to be an expert witness of all things Bible. But you just tell your story. And watch what God can do even through that. Because we're talking about a God who can do anything. Amen? So, tell your story. No one else can do it. 
You're an expert on you, and I just encourage you and challenge you as we consider this idea of being his witness. It includes us as well, and we take our place in a long line of others who have witnessed, been witnesses for the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a, an old hymn that we usually sing about this time of year. It's one of my favorites, but, but I want to, you know, just back to this idea of, you know, being a witness and people saying, well, how do you know? How do you know? I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. And all the world around me, I see his loving care. And though my heart grows weary, I never will despair. I know that he is leading through all the stormy blast. The day of his appearing will come at last. Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian. Lift up your voice and sing. Eternal hallelujahs to Jesus Christ the King, the hope of all who seek him, the help of all who find. None other is so loving, so good, and kind. You know what? He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me, he talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. Pause. Because I'm not an eyewitness. I'm not an expert witness. But I can declare what he's done in my life. He lives within my heart. Man, aren't you grateful for the gospel? Aren't you grateful for someone in your life that was a witness to you that brought you to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? And then he's just calling us to do the same, and it's not that hard. Once we get over the intimidation part of it, just be you. Just tell your story and let God use that as a witness to what he's done in your life. Amen? Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Shane, I, I don't know where I'm at with Christ. I want to encourage you when we dismiss, as we always do, give that invitation. Man, if you or not in a right relationship with God, I would encourage you to, to come and let us visit with you about that. Maybe you need some prayer. Maybe you're going through a very difficult season of life. You're like, man, I just need, I need that, that encouragement. And, or maybe it's just that step of obedience. You know what? I need, to, I, I need to be aware of what God might want to do in my life. I'm a vessel, and I want him to use me to be a witness to those around me. Whatever it may be, as we dismiss today in prayer, I want to encourage you to come forward. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. God, thank you for, thank you for your word. The revelation of your good news for man, the revelation of these individuals that have gone before us that were so passionate about what they heard and what they saw. And it was their passion and their obedience that was written down and recorded that we get to see today. And, and here we are some 2,000 years removed. And, and we understand the idea that we are also witnesses. And, and sometimes we just get so intimidated out of the gate because we think we can't. The good news is we can. Because the same spirit, the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us also. God, so help us to change our, our mindset there that we can we're to be obedient to you, and we can be a witness for you. So, Father, I pray that we would just see our place in that long line of witnesses, that we too would be mindful of our lives, that everything we say, everything we do is being watched. And, and though we're not always going to get it right, we're going to blow it from time to time. I blow it from time to time, and I'm the preacher. 
But Father, to know that we are all just earthen vessels and you put this beautiful treasure in us and you still want to use us. In fact, I would say that you want to use those broken pieces and those cracks and those holes as a vehicle to reach someone else that's probably going through the exact same thing. You're awesome. You're awesome. Father, we only ask that you would help us to be sensitive to those that you put around us. I pray that this week we would not be able to escape that thought, but you would just make us hypersensitive and aware of the people that we come into contact with, whether it's around a dinner table, whether it's at a grocery store, driving down the road, running into different people, not literally, but, Lord, just seeing people that you would make us aware of what you might be wanting to do in our hearts and our lives and let us be obedient and let us be a faithful witness for you, for your glory and for your honor, Lord. And then one day we can stand in heaven and we can see... Lord, the result of our obedience as people share their stories, uh, Lord, and how they came to you. God, would you just uh, help us to be mindful of that today as we understand, Lord, our role in it as well. We love you and we thank you so much for your gospel. Be glorified in our lives as we leave this place today. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.